this is Tania, and you're listening to Nia on Purpose. I started this podcast to create a space where I can speak with intention and walk in my purpose. I hope that listeners resonate with something I say and are encouraged to also live purposefully. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Nia on Purpose. This is your host, Tania. This week is National Suicide Prevention Week, September 10th through September 16th. And the entire month is actually National Suicide Prevention Month. So I thought it would be good to talk about some deeper mental health issues that I've faced. With that being said, I want to warn those that this episode could be triggering for some as I talk about self-harm, depression, anxiety, things like that. I previously mentioned that I've dealt with anxiety since high school. As I get older, I've recognized different things that trigger my panic attacks. I'm going to talk a little bit about this, but I do think that it, that a lot of this is not another episode, so it's going to be a, a bit brief. So they started in high school. I remember that none of my family, friends, teachers knew how to respond to my panic attacks or prevent them. I did notice that they were often triggered from like heightened environments when my mom and and I were arguing or there was a disagreement amongst a group of people or or things like that. Basically, whenever I showed any extreme emotion like anger or sadness or even fear, I would have a panic attack. There was actually a long period of time where my mom feared even having like regular conversations with me because she didn't want me to have a panic attack. As I got older, I learned how to prevent them. I also dabbled with medication to kind of control them. So they did begin to happen less frequently. If I'm feeling very anxious or on the verge of an attack, I practice breathing exercises. And again, like I recognize what I don't like when I'm in that moment. And so two things that I prefer is to not be touched. I don't like to be consoled, hugged, like just let me be. And then also I prefer, I prefer to be in private. So no one can really see me struggle in such a vulnerable state. The last time I had a panic attack was actually this past May. It has been a few months, but that was like the first big one that I've had in at least a year or two. And it was a crazy situation that I'm honestly not, not ready and willing to talk about on this podcast. But everyone around me I was in public so everyone around me was kind of freaking out looking at me kind of crazy like what the heck is going on I think that one of the people thought that I might be dying or having a stroke or something and it was looking back now it was kind of funny but it at the moment it was 100% unfunny (laughs) aside from panic attacks I get anxious a lot so I do have a lot of anxiety and I still I'm not 100% sure where it stems from I describe my anxiety as a moment where there's like no air in the room. I feel very unsafe in whatever environment I'm in and I also feel very vulnerable. Sometimes it's like the smallest, simplest task that seemed the most difficult to do, like going to the grocery store or getting out of my car to pump gas. It's it's definitely like now that I'm saying it out loud, fear driven, fear of the unknown. But I think a lot of people have that and and don't always you know, go into full panic attack, hyperventilation, needing oxygen type of situations. I actually experienced a lot of these panic attacks and this form of what I call travel anxiety when I actually started my 
my previous job at the University of Memphis. Don't get me wrong, though. I absolutely loved my job. I love what it has done for me. I love what how many doors it's opened for me and how many people I've gotten to meet through such an amazing, like, engaging opportunity and organizations and things like that. But I was often overstimulated from the constant travel and human interaction when I first started. This caused me to withdraw myself from environments and isolate myself. I eventually learned to cope, which is part of the reason why I did stay in that role. And I think those those coping mechanisms that I've practiced, I can carry way past that role and, you know, into my future career positions, life experiences, all those things. I've also previously mentioned that I've been in and out of therapy, both consistently and inconsistently. My pattern is to experience something traumatic, start therapy, think I'm fine, stop going to therapy, and then it happens all over again. So the same pattern experience something traumatic, start therapy, think I'm fine, stop going to therapy, and then it happens all over again. The biggest lesson I've learned is that therapy is kind of like vitamins. For best results, you take your vitamins every day regardless of how you feel. Let's say you take vitamin A and vitamin C every day. Let's also say you get sick. But you realize your cold isn't as bad as it could be because you've already got healthy supplements in your body. I'd like to encourage everyone to think of therapy the exact same way. And I'm also talking to myself. I'm literally preaching to the choir right now. With all of my experiences with therapy, like I said, it's a cyclical process for me. And it would always hit the fan and then I'd go to therapy. And I feel like I've hit that rock bottom a few times. <laughs> Rock bottom for me is being in a depressive state. It's such an unhealthy place for me and it's caused me to stop functioning as a productive individual and stop eating. There's been multiple instances that were really bad in the past. Two of those times involved an unhealthy consumption of drugs and alcohol and I'll elaborate a little bit on both of those. A few years back, someone really close to me was severely injured while we were together. Although I had no control over the situation, I felt very guilty for a while after. And this caused me to be just in a depressive state all the time, really in... I was lost. Um, I was really lost and confused. And I didn't understand why everything happened the way it did. I know I've previously mentioned some unhealthy habits that I've developed when in a depressive state, like irregular sleep schedule, um, starvation, isolation. But one thing I haven't mentioned is self-harm. And I actually think maybe only two or three people know this about me. So yeah, um, there was a time where I think things really, really got out of control for me and I turned to self-harm. After that incident that left my friend you know, severely injured. I've, again, I felt very guilty wishing that it had been me instead of him. I suffered mentally a lot from just the memories of that night. And so I cannot begin to imagine how he felt. But one of the things that I kept coming back to is, is that I didn't believe that I deserved not to experience any type of pain when they were so hurt. And so that's when I began to cut myself. 
at the time I thought it would make me feel better to, you know, just feel some kind of pain, even an ounce of what, what they might've felt. But it immediately made me feel even worse just about myself and who I am. I remember like I went to work the next day and someone was like, what happened to your arm? And I made up some bullcrap lie about what happened. And I really couldn't even just bring myself to tell people, to tell anyone that, that I had done that to myself. And I truly wish that I could have seen the blessing that I received through all of that situation rather than focusing on the negative. After I had cut myself, it kind of opened up a whole new can of worms for me because it made me realize how quickly my mind could go so dark. There was another situation that I experienced and to be honest to this day I still don't remember recall all of the events of that night but I know that I was left in such a state that I was unhappy with who I saw in the mirror I was having a lot of like reconstruction done on my um, teeth at the time as well and so for a period of time I was drinking like only smoothies I worked at a Japanese restaurant, so I was drinking. A, I was eating a lot of miso soup and broth-like soups, and so during that time, I lost like twenty-ish, twenty-ish pounds, twenty to twenty-five pounds, and that that weight loss also did a whole, a whole nother number on me. I then really didn't like who I saw in the mirror. I didn't like my size. I like didn't like the way my arms looked. I thought my neck just was so slim that it I looked like a giraffe. I know these are unrealistic, but that's just how I felt at the time. And often through both of these life experiences, I thought about how I'd rather be dead at times. I often, and still to the day I do, I struggle with the idea that I'm the child in the family that causes so much chaos. Like, I feel like my parents are always saving me, rescuing me, getting me out of trouble. I feel like I've put so much stress on my brother as well, being like the only daughter my parents have left, the only sibling my brother has left. And, and I'm continuous, I have continuous, continuously been this reckless person. And so a lot of the time I thought, you know, I should have been the the twin that that died. It should have been me. And I've contemplated like taking my own life and and how I would do it a few times, which again is an incredibly scary place to be. And this is usually when when I start to to get into that state of mind, I start to also reach out for help because I don't I don't ever want to be that low in my life. I honestly didn't recognize how deeply emotionally unstable I was until I went through my journal. And this was rather recently. And I noticed how many bad days I was having versus how many good days I was having. I was struggling so much and not talking about it at all until it like until everything hit the fan. This was happening for years. On top of all of this, I was really lost spiritually, and I didn't really know what or who I believed in for a while. I eventually stopped thinking and making it harder on myself with all these questions about who God is and what do I believe, and I just started praying, and I just started talking to God and seeking guidance and just trusting that 
wherever he guides me is is where I'm supposed to be. Whatever understanding he grants me is is what is meant for me. I also found it very therapeutic to 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 talk to my sister and all of these things combined made me feel much better. I know that I've grown so much from these situations and and I'd like to think that I handle situations differently now that I approach religion and God much differently. I wanted to share some of these experiences because of um, some conversations I've recently had with listeners about mental health amongst black and brown people. Due to the lack of adequate knowledge and resources, racial and ethnic minorities abuse drugs and alcohol at a higher rate and simultaneously seek less mental health resources than our white counterparts. The lack of support, advocacy, and resources near and around Black communities reinforces the idea that mental health is less important than physical health. In addition, over 50% of Black Americans live in the Bible Belt in the South, which often relies on religion as the sole coping mechanism for mental health. My personal belief is that God provides us with resources and tools. We simply must utilize them. We can't solely rely on religion because I honestly don't think that that's what God intended for us to do. The same way he placed doctors, pediatricians, all these people on this world with so much medical talent and expertise. He also did the same for for mental health. Psychiatrists, psychologists are all around us and we just have to take advantage of what they are here to do. The mental health crisis amongst us can be combated if we actively advocate for ourselves and promote a safe environment that encourages us to seek therapy. I love my dad so, so much, and I appreciate everything that he's done for me. But I remember I would tell him I'm, I'm sad, and he would say, pray about it. Or he would send me a Bible verse, which I'm more than thankful and grateful for. But sometimes I feel like I needed more than that. And it's not his fault because maybe he didn't also know the resources that are out there for us. And it's a a generational thing that is continuously passed down that we look to God solely without recognizing and utilizing the resources that God gave us here on this earth. If you've made it to the end of this episode, I know I just went on a rant there a little bit, but I want to thank each and every one of you so much for being open to listening to something so sensitive, something so close and near and dear to my heart. If you resonated with this episode or relate to it in any way, I pray that you find your peace and escape mental warfare. I also hope that all my listeners, regardless of whatever race you are, you choose to recognize mental health as important as physical health and you take care of yourself. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nia on Purpose. I can't wait for you guys to hear more next time. Thanks again for listening to Nia on Purpose. My goal is always to reach a new individual and encourage the spread of love, hope, compassion, and peace. I hope I succeeded, and I hope y'all come back for more. Be sure to support me in any way you see fit, and tune in next time. And remember, it was always on purpose.